You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Thursday, October 28th. Children have been telling me for 10 years that it wasn't environmental destruction that was the most frightening for them. It was the fact that they found that adults weren't taking them seriously, so children were feeling invalidated. That was Caroline Hickman, a board member at the Climate Psychology Alliance. We'll speak with her a little bit later on about eco-anxiety. But first, your morning headlines. ISIS and al-Qaeda could prove able to carry out attacks from Afghan soil including against the U.S. We have to remain vigilant against that possibility. That was senior Pentagon official Colin Call, who gave the assessment on behalf of U.S. intelligence on Tuesday. He says it could take ISIS six months to a year before getting there. For al-Qaeda, the timeline is twice that. Back in August, in justifying the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, President Joe Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken had downplayed the strength of terrorist networks in the country. Up until now, American passport holders have had to designate themselves as male or female. But the U.S. has issued its first passport with a third option, X. That could go a long way in validating the experience of non-binary or gender non-conforming travelers. The option should be more broadly available next year, according to the State Department. President Joe Biden heads to Rome today. He'll meet with Pope Francis on Friday, then with world leaders at the G20 summit. After that, it's the UN Climate Change Conference. Up to 25,000 people are expected at the two weeks long event in Glasgow, Scotland. Biden's climate envoy, John Kerry, described it as, quote, the last best chance the world has. But can world leaders pull off what they've never done before, committing to a broad set of realistic carbon cutting policies? Can enough of them come together to limit disastrous global warming? Those who fear the worst may be familiar with the feeling of eco-anxiety. My guest today, Caroline Hickman, is a lecturer at Bath University in the UK, a practicing psychotherapist and a board member of the Climate Psychology Alliance. She tells me all about eco-anxiety and what we can do about it. 
Caroline, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I don't usually chide people for being late for an interview. You were a few minutes late and you have very good reason. Tell me. Yes, I'm really sorry. I don't like being late, but I was stood outside my house crying with joy because I just had five or six text messages all arrive from all different people saying, do you realize that your research that was launched publicly last week, which is due to be published in the Lancet Planetary Health, was just referenced by Secretary Guterres at the United Nations? You know, for us, that is enormous validation that the most powerful people in the world are hearing how young people feel and what they need governments to do. I can see still how emotional you are about just moments ago hearing that from the UN Secretary General. Why is this so important, that validation from him? The climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis is a a global problem. And unless we have global solutions, we're not going to resolve this. So if countries start to position themselves to take care of themselves and neglect the needs of the rest of the world, we will never resolve this. And what will happen is the most vulnerable people in the world, in the low-lying Pacific nations and the children, they will be ignored and abandoned and they will pay the price. You know, the children and the young people are currently paying the price in the way they feel their future is compromised and they feel they don't have a future. But I want to read you something else, because this is really important to put alongside the UN. Dear Caroline Hickman, I'm only a single private person studying in Germany, but I feel the urge to thank you and your colleagues so much for the research and study about climate anxiety amongst youth around the world. What the study reveals makes me, for the first time ever, feel that I am not alone with the future and climate anxiety I experience every day. I still don't know what places to go there are in order to learn how to cope better with this anxiety. Still, I consider the recent study of the University of Bath as an incredibly important step for us young people around the world to imaginary, emotionally connect, and even visually realize that no one of us is alone with this huge issue. Pretty powerful to hear that from a young person. For me, both are wonderful. So hearing our research recognized at the UN in such an amazing way. And getting that email from this teenager who's written me that, reached out, feels that our research spoke to her and meant something to her. So both made me cry. So Caroline, what is eco-anxiety? It's a psychological phenomenon and it affects not just our feelings, but also our thinking. And it affects our relationships and it affects our way of living on a day-to-day way with the planet that feels comfortable, natural, tolerable. So it's not just anxiety, it's an emotional state. The anxiety hits when we first start to feel the anxiety about what's going to happen to the planet, what's going to happen in the future. Anxiety is the first emotion, but it would be an awful mistake to think it's just anxiety. It's also depression, despair, frustration, hopelessness, guilt, grief, shame. We cycle through the different emotions when we start to think, well, what's going to happen and who's going to take action? And we feel helpless and we feel hopeless and we feel enormously vulnerable because the scale of the problem is enormous. We measure mental health by looking at our capacity to respond to external reality. And the external reality, as we've seen increasingly this summer with the flooding in Germany and China and New York recently, and the fires and the heat dome in the Pacific Northwest, things are getting worse. So it's natural that we would feel anxious in response to this. When did people realize eco-anxiety is a real thing? 
Well, I don't think everybody has realized it yet. I wish they had. I think if everybody was able to emotionally and mentally engage with the reality of the threats we're facing, we would see quicker action on this. The American Psychological Association defined eco-anxiety as chronic fear of environmental doom. That's a pretty strong term, doom. How do you help people deal with that feeling of helplessness? First of all, let's define it very clearly. Eco-anxiety is not just about environmental destruction. So the definition you've just given me is, I think, part of the definition. I don't think it's the whole. It is both anxiety about environmental destruction, but also the fact that people in power are failing to act. So we look at what's happening in the world, we feel terribly anxious, and then we look around ourselves looking for reassurance that people in power will act to save the planet, act to save us. And then increasingly, we're seeing that world leaders are declaring climate emergencies, but not taking sufficiently rapid action or sustainable action. And we have confused messages where we see governments declaring a climate emergency and then continuing drilling for oil or continuing to build. And our brains say, what's this? I can't understand this. These two things don't go together. If we look at the sort of global response to COVID, it's a good comparison. COVID hit across the world and governments responded quick to protect people. There was a speed of action there. We don't see the same speed of action with the climate and the biodiversity crisis, which paradoxically are a much greater threat to humanity in the long term. So it's both the environmental anxiety plus the fact that people in power aren't acting. And when I say people in power, we have to think about what it means for us as human beings. We always look to people who are more powerful than us, who are wiser than us, or have more knowledge than us to take steps to protect and preserve people and the planet. And when we judge that maybe they're not doing what we'd like them to be doing, we don't feel secure, we don't feel reassured. And that's one of the things that our research found was that children and young people did not feel reassured by the action that governments were taking. Well, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with climate change psychotherapist Caroline Hickman on The Recount Daily Pod. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! 
and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome back to The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with climate change psychotherapist Caroline Hickman talking about how to address eco-anxiety. Tell us a little bit about the research that you've done. You were the lead author of a new global survey about how young people feel about climate change. What stood out to you in those findings? Well, first and foremost, this was the biggest survey of children and young people globally that had ever been carried out. So we were able to get 10,000 young people across 10 different countries across the global north and global south. So there was a representation. So we included countries like the Philippines and Brazil, and also the US and France and the UK and Nigeria. So we had a range. So these are countries which are facing the immediate impact of climate change in different ways. What we wanted to do was measure how children and young people were feeling, but then we didn't want to just stop with feelings. We wanted to also think about their thinking because what you're feeling affects the way you think and it affects the ways that you function in the world. So we asked them about their functioning in the world and to what extent the feelings they had were impacting on their daily functioning. So we had 48%, for example, who said they felt ignored or dismissed by other people when they tried to talk about climate change. And then we wanted to ask them who they felt was carried more responsibility or culpability for this. So we specifically asked them about government action and inaction, about whether they were feeling reassured or not, whether they felt governments could be trusted. Because children have been telling me for 10 years that it wasn't environmental destruction that was the most frightening for them. It was the fact that they found that adults weren't taking them seriously. So children were feeling invalidated. So what this research has shown us is that children are not feeling listened to, but they also are not being helped to feel secure by government action. And governments, I think, are really important because of the power that they carry. But governments are an extension of adults for children and young people. But rather than ask specifically about parents' action, because parents themselves have relatively little power to act on the climate crisis, in the same way as you and I have very little power individually, we're only going to address this in a systemic way if we have government cooperation globally. So that's why we wanted to ask children, young people, what their relationship with that was and what they thought about that. And what they told us was really powerful. Only a third believed that governments could be trusted or were doing enough to avoid a catastrophe and that they were feeling betrayed and abandoned by governments. Two thirds thought that governments were lying about the effectiveness of the actions they're taking and they were failing young people across the world. What is your advice to parents on how they should be talking to their children, knowing that some of them might be carrying this anxiety? First, I would say it's quite likely that parents are probably carrying similar anxiety themselves. So I've been working for a few years with groups of parents here in the UK where they've been meeting monthly in a support group to support each other and also talk through how they feel about the climate crisis. Because it's very hard to emotionally regulate and support your child if you're feeling anxious yourself. I think parents need to get support from other parents. They can get support from teachers or local communities. We've got organizations like in the United States, we've got the 
Climate Psychiatry Alliance and the Climate Psychology Alliance. And what that does is it reduces the anxiety and it reduces the isolation and loneliness that people can feel. And by reducing that, it makes people feel they've got courage. It makes them feel listened to and understood. What people need above all else is to feel heard and understood and validated and not alone with these things. And then we can develop courage and have hope. I think it's really important that we add hope to this mix. But the particular kind of hope we need is what we would call radical hope rather than naive hope. Certainly, I would say to parents, don't sit on your own and think it's just your family being affected because it's not. Your whole community will be being affected, your whole district, your whole neighborhood. So this needs to be a shared concern. And I think we can work with groups as well as with parent groups to support them. You know, you talk about radical hope. There are so many people who are just angry. So many people who feel this is just beyond our control and throwing up their hands saying, why bother trying to stop it at this point? What do you say to them? Well, first, I would say I understand and that there are times I feel that way. And I think if you are struggling with poverty or racism or homophobia or struggling to feed your children, then you really don't need another problem on your table. And it can absolutely feel like this is beyond you. So I think those feelings make perfect sense. I think what's important is you don't get stuck in those feelings or don't get stuck in feelings of hopelessness or helplessness or depression. It's important to be able to feel all these feelings. I talk about it as an emotional biodiversity. All of these emotions are relevant. They have their place. But what you don't want is for any one of those feelings to completely dominate your world. First of all, I would say it makes perfect sense. But what can we do with that anger? What can we do with those feelings of frustration to turn them into some form of positive action? So you're joining together with other people to actually feel that you are making a difference because individual action and community action and family action does make a difference. And if you add all of this up, collectively, we could have small domestic revolutions that cannot help but have an impact on this global problem. We're going to pause and take a short break, but we'll be right back with climate change psychotherapist Caroline Hickman on the Recount Daily Pod. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with climate change psychotherapist Caroline Hickman. We're talking about how to address eco-anxiety. What do you believe the future of eco-anxiety looks like? Our hope in our research is that people will start to develop a deeper understanding of what it really is and not just minimize it as young people being anxious or young people being snowflakes or young people not really comprehending the seriousness of what we're facing globally. So first and foremost, we're hoping that people will start to take this more seriously, but also not pathologize it as a mental health problem. So be proud of feeling it. Let's turn it into eco-passion, eco-community, eco-empathy, eco-care. It's this struggle to care that gets in the way of us finding global solutions to the climate emergency. So we don't want to ask people to stop caring. What we need is for people to start to care collectively and say, actually, because I care, I want to do something about this. And because I care about what happens to the children in Nigeria. So it's my eco-anxiety that connects me empathically with the people around the world who are struggling with this. So we wouldn't want to get rid of it, but we do need to have a better understanding. We don't need to leave people on their own with it. How do you deal with eco-anxiety? How do I deal with it? I'm lucky in a way because I channel it into my work. So I'm able to use that anxiety to help me understand how other people are feeling. And then as a psychotherapist, I can use that understanding to help them understand for themselves. So I have a place to go with my eco-anxiety. So it has meaning for me. I think when we lose meaning, we have greatest psychological distress and we can tolerate really complex feelings so long as we feel understood and it has meaning. Otherwise, that's when we start to think, what's the point? So I'm lucky because I'm able to turn it into my writing, my research, my academic work, my speaking with young people. And I spent last Saturday with 50, 60 young people aged 16 to 24, a same age group that we did this research with, who are working together in a resilience project group, educating themselves about climate change, supporting each other around eco-anxiety. And I'm teaching them about mental health. I'm teaching them about emotional intelligence and resilience. And just listening to them and the way they're processing it, the way they're supporting each other is profoundly affecting and gives me incredible hope because they are so amazing. Caroline Hickman coming to us from Bath, the United Kingdom. Congratulations. I know this is a big moment for you personally and professionally. Thank you so much. And now let's look ahead at what's happening today. Big oil is in the hot seat. The House Oversight Committee will question top executives at Exxon, BP, Shell and Chevron on whether oil companies misled the public about climate change. The accusation is that they waged a disinformation campaign over the course of decades on the science linking burnt fossil fuels to climate change. The event has been compared to the hearings with big tobacco in the 1990s, where executives swore under oath that nicotine was not addictive, 
Those hearings caused a public shift in opinion on tobacco and led to legislative consequences for the industry. Opening arguments began this morning in the civil case against organizers of Unite the Right, the 2017 rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, that energized white supremacists and left one counter-protester dead. You might recall the infamous video of a group of white men, tiki torches in hand, yelling, Jews will not replace us. The trial seeks to determine whether organizers conspired to commit violence. Plaintiffs include residents of Charlottesville and counter-protesters, seeking damages for physical and emotional injuries. As for the two statues of Confederate generals that organizers sought to defend in the first place, they were taken down earlier this year. The sci-fi epic Dune heads into its second weekend in theaters, and the Council on American-Islamic Relations will hold a press conference on Thursday about Islamic themes and references in the movie. It's an effort to address the conversation about depictions of Islam in pop culture, the organization also recently called on Warner Brothers to explain why a black actor was left off a poster for the film in China. Dune has brought in more than $220 million globally so far. A sequel has already been announced. This is a Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount. Our thanks to Caroline Hickman for being on the show. And if you like this episode, I hope you'll subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod and do leave us a rating. I'm your host, Rena Ninen, Alexis Ramdow, and Corey Wara engineered and produced this podcast. Ariella Martin also produced. Fonda Mwangi did the research. Pierre Bename is our senior producer, and our executive producer is Laura Beatty. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.